Today we're going to talk about continuing to talk about being a steward, but we're going to talk about the attribute of carrying the identity of being a trustworthy steward. Last week we talked about being a wise steward, and that required awareness, acknowledgement, and adoption. You can go back on YouTube, probably the number one way for you to get caught up if you want to get caught up. You're okay if you're joining us today and this is the only message that you've heard. You're not going to feel like you've been left out. There's no inside jokes or anything that I'm going to draw from last week that is going to leave you out in the wind. But it would be good to go back last week. You can go on our YouTube channel and take a look at that. Today, talking about being a trustworthy steward. Let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. I'm reading out of the NASB, which is the New American Standard. I normally read out of the NIV, which is the New International Version. If you're new to the Bible, if you're new to church, those are just different translations of the same infallible Word of God. To put it simply, read what you can get the most out of. I love the language of the NASB, so that's why I'm using it today. 1 Corinthians Chapter 4, verse 1 says, this is the way any person is to regard us. Now, I just want to start out by saying, who is us? This is, this is actually written to believers. Believers in Scripture imply that if you're a believer of something, you follow what you believe. Now, I just want to stop for a second and tell you that in our society, Believing does not imply following. In fact, a lot of people, you'll hear me say this, a lot of people say they believe in something, they profess something, but they may promote it, but they don't show devotion to it by following it and doing it. So you can be a believer, but not a follower. Now, I, I will tell you that it shouldn't be that way. Okay? And so when this scripture was written, it was written with the understanding that if you're a believer, you're a follower. So this is to the followers of Jesus who believed and did what they said they believed. And so, hence, this is being written to some followers of Jesus who profess they believe in him in a place called Corinth by a guy named Paul. Okay? So he says, this is the way any person is to regard us. As servants of Christ and stewards of the mystery, mysteries of God. So he's saying, hey... To all of you who call yourself believers, followers of Jesus, this is how the world, I'm going to use this word, this is how society should actually look at us. And how should they regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God? And in, the case, in this case, moreover, it is required of stewards. Now, I just want to stop. This says, this is a requirement. What I'm about to say is a requirement. It's not a suggestion. It's something that we, we should really take stock in what Paul is about to say. He says, in this case, moreover, it is required of stewards that one be found trustworthy. This idea of being found trustworthy is like if you were put on trial in a court of law, you could be found guilty of being trustworthy, a trustworthy steward. So let me define very quickly what, what a steward is. I did this the last couple of weeks. I'm not going to dive into it. I did a whole message on this, but I just wanted to find so we understand what a steward is. A steward is a person who manages something that belongs to someone else. So it's possible that in our life, we can be a steward, just in our humanity, we can be a really good steward of things around us. But it doesn't mean that we're a godly steward. 
because I can steward something for my own glory, to boast about myself. But a godly steward is someone who has a responsibility to manage all of life's resources for the glory of God, not for the glory of themselves. You want me to say that again? Okay, a godly steward has the responsibility to manage the resources of life, the things that you've been given for the glory of God, to boast about God, to shed light on God and who he is, to, to bring light to his name. Not to make myself famous, but to make Jesus famous. And when we do that, we implicitly, we are acknowledging that God is the provider. So we're going to be godly stewards, and that's the type of steward we're talking about. And there's two things we're going to talk about when it comes to being trustworthy. Number one, trustworthy stewards are known for a reputation of reliability. Number one, trustworthy stewards are known for a reputation of reliability. And number two, trustworthy stewards are proven by their integrity. Are proven by their integrity. What does this word trustworthy mean? When Paul says, in this case, more of it is required, the stewards can be found trustworthy. What does trustworthy mean? So I, 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 I oftentimes have to dig into these things because I, I, we, we use words. Sometimes we really need to understand what they mean. So trustworthy, here's the definition of trustworthy. Uh, it means trusty or faithful. Trusty. I'm trusty. Okay? I'm fa- or I'm faithful. It doesn't mean, now by faithful, it doesn't mean the faith that I have in God. Being trusty and faithful means it's others' ability to put their trust and faith in me. Okay, I want to be clear about something. I am not preaching that we should, we should have other people put their whole faith and hope in man. But what I am saying is that Scripture is telling us, God tells us that we should prove and be found trustworthy. Which means that other people can rely on my word. That, that it also means integrity. Trustworthy means integrity or reliability. So I'm going I'm to simply say, trustworthy means you are worthy of trust. Why? Because you have a reputation of reliability. Because you have a reputation of reliability. Everyone has a reputation. You have a reputation. It's either a reputation of reliability or it's a reputation of being a liability. You're going to have one or the other, right? And I, and, and I, I want to have a reputation of reliability. Proverbs eleven thirteen says, A gossip goes around telling secrets, but those who are trustworthy can keep a confidence. Those who are trustworthy can keep a secret. They're reliable. And did you know that your reputation will precede you? Whether good or bad, it goes before you. In fact, I will tell you that most often, if there's something dirty about your reputation, that dirt will make its way to the doorstep of where you're heading to before you get there. The dirt will beat you to your destination. In the message uh, translation, 
very, and I love this because it's so plain, Proverbs 25, 9 through 10 says, in the heat of an argument, don't betray confidences. That means uh, confidences are secrets. In the heat of the moment, or when you're arguing with somebody and you get upset with somebody and you're like, I'm going to tell all your secrets. I'm going to prove to be a liability to you in your life. You found me worthy of trust and you confided in me and I've been, I've been right there with you, but now you've really upset me because we don't agree, so I'm going to throw you under the bus. Right? It reminds me of our political process. We're going to talk today. <laughs> We're living in historic times. In the heat of an argument, don't portray confidences. Word is sure to get around. Wow, your reputation is going to precede you. And no one will trust you. I can't expect someone to think I'm worthy of trust if I haven't proven that I'm worthy of trust. And I want to tell you something. Your, your reputation, my reputation, are the most reliable assets that we have in life or most valuable assets we have in life you know as americans we're like the most valuable asset you could ever have is the american dream what is that a house <laughs> i don't live the american dream buy a house it's an asset which is debatable depending on the finance expert you talk to Okay, because if you're paying out on something every month, is that truly an asset? We can debate that because there's appreciation. But anyway, we won't talk about that. Getting Dave Ramsey Plus, and he'll help you work through this idea of sometimes thinking you're putting money into an asset, but you're really sinking yourself. <laughs> and it's not your house. It's not the clothes you wear. It's not your jewelry. It's not your vacation home. It's not the car that you drive. The most valuable asset you have is your reputation. It's the narrative of your life, of the journey that you call your life. And I want to tell you something that if, if you don't take control of your narrative, somebody is waiting to actually take control of the narrative of your life. And where you leave a gap, people will fill in the blanks. I've learned this the hard way. It's not, you've probably heard this before. If trustworthiness is worthy of trust, then we have to understand that having a reputation of reliability is not given, it's earned, because trust is earned. And that's what I want to earn in life. I want to earn this most valuable asset called the reputation of reliability. In Ecclesiastes 7.1 says, a good reputation is more valuable than costly perfume. I mean, the scripture is saying what I just said. It's more costly that your reputation is more valuable than any material thing that you could get your hands on. Right? And the day you die is better than the day you were born. What? What does that mean? It means that your reputation of reliability is what people are going to sit around and talk about and repeat after the day 
that you pass into eternity. Where you spend that eternity is up to you. And what I love about Jesus, like we're in the midst of a time we're in casting our vote. Too many of us are casting our hope and our heart into a political party. And we need to cast our, our hope and our heart not into a political party, but into the promise of a guy named Jesus Christ who has the most reputable, like 100% you can rely on him. And it's fascinating because the hope we have in him is proven that the day that he died is proving itself to be repeatable. In fact, I will tell you, a lifetime of reliability gives you the higher value of reputation worthy of repeating. Let me say that again. A lifetime of reliability will give you the higher value of a reputation worth repeating. Jesus Christ died thousands of years ago, but his reputation of reliability has been repeated more than any other life story in the history of man. The number one book published is the Word of God, the Bible, made up of 66 smaller books that we read from that shows us the character and the nature and the promises of God. And in it, Jesus incarnate as a human coming from heavenly places to be a human, shows himself to have a reputation of reliability worth repeating. I want to repeat, and I want my life story to be repeated. Trustworthy stewards are known by a reputation of reliability. And if trustworthy stewards are known by reputation of reliability, then trustworthy stewards are proven by their integrity. They're proven. You may know something about me, but then I have to prove it. It's a different type of knowing. I know because I've heard or I've read is different than I, I know because I've experienced. Integrity is the experience that what you think or say about me can be proven true. And Titus 2.6 is in the same way encourage the young men to live wisely. Now I want to give some context for what's being written here. Hydro flask down. Call the Visco girls. We need hydroflask CPR. Someone, anyone? You need to wrap some scrunchies around that thing so it doesn't. How many of you get what I'm saying? Come on now. You're like, how does this dude know that? Dad of seven daughters. Okay, I want to give you context in the same way in Titus, in the same way encourage the young men to live wisely. So this tells me two things. That first sentence tells me two things. That there are old men who are living wisely that are being asked to show young men how to do that. Can I tell you, if you're part of the varsity team, because I don't want to say it's old in age. 
Maybe you've just been around your relationship with Jesus a little bit longer. So if you're on the varsity team, because they're freshmen who play on the varsity team, because of their maturity to be able to handle it on the field. And what do I mean? What I mean is that they can actually practice and play. They can hang. They back it up, right? So what I'm saying is, guys, girls, women, men, varsity team, your job is not done. We need to be examples for the young people. In the same way, encourage the young men to live wisely, and you yourself, varsity team, must be an example to them. How so? How should we be an example? By doing good works of every kind, let everything you do reflect the integrity and seriousness of your teaching. So let me ask, let, 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 me, let, me, let me just phrase this this way. How are we supposed to be an example? By doing the works that our teachings profess. That's called having integrity. Let me define integrity really quickly. To be single-minded, a state of being whole or undivided. To be, to be found blameless, not because you're perfect. I want to catch, okay, hold on, pay attention. This is not a call to perfection, because none of us are perfect. But blameless means it's due to my words and my actions lining up. Integrity. What you do and what you say match. And when I, when I don't have integrity, it means that I'm living in a place of spiritual schizophrenia. Okay? The Bible talks about the old man and the new man. The old man is the man that's unsubmitted to Jesus Christ, the one who has a reputation of reliability. The new, the new man is the man or the woman who is submitted and a follower. Submitting means you're following. You just don't say, I believe, but you follow what you believe. And to live in this place of, of two-minded, because integrity is single-minded, means that you're going to potentially have some problems, that I'm going to have some problems. The integrity of the upright guides them. So the integrity, my single-mindedness, actually is a great guide. It'd be like riding in the car and having two different navigators tell you two different directions to go. Now, living with seven women who love to give directions in cars, and I have Siri. So I give Siri a British voice so I can differentiate, that I can tell who I should really be listening to. I got one telling me to take this way, and I know telling them Siri is like Jesus, like the truth speaks. Like, Siri, where do I go? I have two different voices speaking to me. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed in their duplicity. Duplicity, two minds, double minded. We're taking direction from our words and we're taking direction from our actions and they're taking us two different places, okay? When we're single-minded and we have integrity, it brings wholeness. God's intent by to send his son, Jesus Christ, was to prove himself in your life by bringing you wholeness. Trustworthy stewards are defined by the wholeness of doing what they declare. 
We are defined by the wholeness of doing what we declare. You don't need to be a follower of Jesus to apply this to your life. This is just good old-fashioned, like, take a note, write a book on it. Anybody can read it. This is just good for life. You're worthy of people's trust if you have the ability to have a wholeness and integrity in what you do and what you declare. And I want to remind you, actions speak louder than you have to back up what you say. I want you to turn to somebody and say, you better back it up. Okay, for all of you, I want you to turn to somebody and say, you better back that thing up. And I'm talking about your word. Laughter is good for the soul. Don't we need laughter in our country right now? We need, we need to relax a little bit. This was a tense week, right? And I want to tell you something. The tension wasn't because who's going to win, red or blue. That's, that, that wasn't the tension. The tension was is how divided our country is. I think that's, God's heart isn't grieved by who won the presidency. His heart is grieved by the response of the people. And I don't mean your response by who you voted for. I'm talking about our response and being so divided. That is not wholeness. In fact, I, I will go as far as to say the system that we call American politics has set us up for failure, family. Because it's, they've given us two choices. It, the system is built to divide us. You have to choose one or the other. And we don't talk about a third option that we can cast our vote for and by doing so, place our hope and our heart in. We don't talk about Jesus. We talk about whoever we're voting for as being the hope of our nation. I want to tell you something. I'm hopeful because of Jesus Christ always being with his Father on the throne. I am not hopeful because a man achieves a presidency. These are great things. And I'm not speaking to or against or for. I, 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 I want you to understand this. I'm not having a partisan talk with you. I'm, ha I'm actually having a kingdom talk with you. I'm a preacher of good news. Not the news. Yeah, there's something I wanted to say right there, and I'm like. <sighs> I'm a trustworthy steward who is proven by integrity. I want us to be encouraged. I, I do. I want us to be encouraged. I think we have the most opportunity as ever in history, right now. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I think you have the most opportunity as ever 
to prove yourself with integrity to be the most trustworthy steward of what God has given you. I think if you don't know Jesus right now, right now you have the best opportunity, the biggest opportunity to put your life in the hands of something that has a reputation of reliability, a someone, his name is Jesus Christ. If there's anything that we're seeing that, that's being proven right now is that society doesn't hold it. Society, listen, 2020 has proven this one thing. Not reliable. It is wild. At best. <laughs> and I think society needs an example of, of this trustworthiness. This trustworthy steward with integrity more than ever. And so... I love the fact that God gives us this firm foundation in Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not human that he should lie. <laughs> now, a <laughs> little bit of a bust that went over all of our backs as humans right there. Because what is this implying? That we're liars. Okay, to be fair, I don't want to call anyone a liar, you know, and cast something on you. But let's all be honest. That means don't lie. How many of you in your life have never told a lie. <sighs> Thank God. I was going to have to rebuke. <laughs> we were going to have to stop and do some deliverance right here <laughs> online. You better bring the truth. Okay? We all, listen, we all fall short of the truth. Can we just, can we just agree to this? The Republicans are liars. Vote Democrat. The Democrats control fake news. They're liars. Vote Republican. And I'm standing there going, we're all liars. But are you willing to be an outlier? You know what an outlier is? Mathematically, it's the data point that doesn't fit within. Are you willing to go against the grain? Are you willing to pick a third option? Are you willing to say, hey, let's just all admit that we're not perfect and we need a God right now in society more than ever. Why? Because he's trustworthy and he has a reputation of reliability because he does what he says. He has integrity. And thank God that God is not human because humans lie. God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? See, this is what it's saying, that God is the only representation of wholeness that we have hope in. And we need him more than ever. And here's the crazy thing. God has entrusted you and me in humanity to represent the story of who he is, represent. But to represent means to represent. We need to represent to society today, this Sunday. We need to represent a God who has integrity.
and a reputation that we can rely on. And we do that by living a life, having a reputation of reliability proven by our integrity. The question I'm about to ask isn't me taking a baseball bat to the church. Do not misunderstand what I'm about to say. I really am asking a question. Is the church in 2020 presenting itself as having a reputation of reliability proven by its integrity? Are you, as the church, Are you, are you representing God in society by having a reputation of reliability proven by your integrity? Trustworthy stewards are proven by their integrity to represent God. It's time. We have a job to do. We have an amazing opportunity. I'm going to end by asking you these two questions. Why don't you stand with me? Because I feel like standing, it's easier to take these questions. (laughs) Some people say, "You, you may need to sit down to hear this. I think you need to stand up to hear it. I think the church has sat long enough. These are personal questions, and I want you to understand something. I can tell you 100% when we went through our sermon prep this week, uh, we, we, we literally ended our time together. And if you don't believe me, you can talk to Lindsay, you can talk to Haley, you can talk to Julie. I think there were four of us on that call. We ended our time grieved by these questions. Grieving because I think that's the heart of the Father right now for this country. Proving that we're good at being hateful and hurtful and we're struggling with being hopeful and helpful. So I'm asking myself these questions personally. You're not alone. We. Okay? Okay? But this is a personal question. Do you have a reputation of reliability? To dig a little bit deeper, where are your words and your actions divided? Two minds. Where are your words and your actions divided? Those are for you to answer. It's not for judgment's sake. It's it's for you to to be aware, to be able to acknowledge it. But ultimately, it's for us to be able to get our compass straight on what we need to align ourselves to. Let's pray. Man. Father, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus for every person who hears this message if you're feeling the tension of our country this week, so many things going on, this historical time, 
but I'm going to tell you, the, the reason why I think it's the most historical is because we're the most prepped ever as a country to see the greatest revival of reliability in the name of Jesus Christ. If you are hearing this and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if you, you hear about this reputation that Jesus has, you know it because maybe you're hearing it, but you don't know it because you haven't experienced. I want to give you the opportunity right now, and it's, very, it's really just this simple. It doesn't take a whole lot. There's no background check. It's you just saying, God, I know you have a reputation of reliability. You sent your son, Jesus. And I'm going to play, so I'm going to cast my vote hope in my heart in the name of Jesus. I'm checking the box on the ballot for the guy named Jesus because he is the only champion on the ballot. I'm placing my life in your hands. If you're a follower of Jesus, let these questions really sink in because I think we have an opportunity, but we also, we've been entrusted with this message and we're to follow the example of Jesus as the young men are following the example of the older men in Titus. And Jesus had a reputation of reliability and he was proven by his integrity. Let us have the ability for the world to say the same. In Jesus' powerful name, every single person said, Amen and amen. I look forward to seeing you next week.